0: and encouragement. It is my sincerest hope that the reflections that you will hear today on this broadcast will truly touch your heart and in a way show you that your life is worth living. Hello my dear friends and welcome to this week's edition of Bishop Sheen Presents. I'm your host Al Smith I want to thank you for joining me for this opportunity to learn our faith together uh, to spend a few moments uh, talking about what's most important in the world and of course that is uh, the saving of our souls and uh, Fulton Sheen provides much timely advice in this crazy world we live in I will share with you today uh, two recordings the first is a recording from uh, the 1940s um, where Fulton Sheen was addressing the world And he answers the question, how do we overcome evil? Uh, Of course, the world was at war and, uh, again, looking for answers. And so I will uh, share that reflection with you today. And I had uh, the opportunity of introducing uh, to uh, the Radio Maria uh, world Father Carney, Uh, Father Carney is a priest that has written a great deal on the Holy Face of Jesus. And, of course, we've been sharing uh, St. Therese the Little Flower and her love of the Holy Face. Uh, Her actual religious title is St. Therese of the Child Jesus and the Holy Face. And so we have a nice conversation to share with you today between the two of us. And so, uh, without further ado, I will present to you Archbishop Sheen as he answers the question, how do we overcome evil? Please enjoy.
1: Friends, in this series up to this time, we have said that this war is not a conflict of nationalities, but of philosophies of life. The philosophies of life which are intrinsically evil are Nazism, fascism, communism, and a nationalism which identifies itself with deity. How overcome this evil? In order to answer that question, one must know the strength of the enemy. In all human forces, there are two factors, physical and psychological. The first determines the ability to fight. The second, the zeal with which one fights. From a purely physical point of view, our enemies are well armed, technically perfect. But their great strength lies in a psychological factor. They believe in and absolute. They have a dogma, a creed, a faith, and a religion. That pseudo-religion centers about a race, an emperor, a Caesar, or a corpse. But in its essence, they are all the same, the affirmation of another absolute than God. Call it fanaticism, call it diabolical, the fact of the matter is they are men of faith. The Nazis, for example, have faith in the primitive purity of their race, faith in the messianic call to be the masters of the world. And from that faith has come those unpentecostal pentecostal fires which in the course of less than ten years has swept them into the fury of the strongest army the world has ever seen. It is no answer to say that their faith is false. Certainly it is. It is like the faith of the demons in hell. But without a faith, nothing can be accomplished. It is the faith of the demons which inspires them to the ceaseless energy of the destruction of the kingdom of God, as it is the faith of the saints that inspires them unto its building. Whence has come this fanaticism for an absolute... It is the manifestation in a false form of a zeal which men should have had for the true faith. For the last two centuries, it has been the fault of the Western world to ridicule zeal for religion. Tolerance, which should have been applied to persons, was transferred to truth. So that men became indifferent to right and wrong and to truth and error and zeal which men should have had for the true God, could not long be kept chilled and frozen by indifference and by our so-called broad-mindedness, and it finally swept up through the surface and came out as fanaticism for false gods. The young people in these totalitarian countries were dissatisfied with the host of our secularist culture. They wanted an absolute, one that would command conviction, a hardy wine of sacrifice, and they found it in a religion which was anti-religion. Their answer to a civilization that had forgotten the Christian religion was to be anti-Christian. They sought to erect a counter-church of the city of man which would war against the city of God until the end of time. And that is why the world today is in the peculiar mood of having more energy for the spread of false gods of race and class and of power than it has for the spread of the knowledge of the true God and his life and his love. It is this faith of the enemies which explains the zest with which they fight. It explains why Japanese aviators believe that their death is the condition of their God's victory. And why young Nazi soldiers ask when they die that the inscription upon their tombstones reads, he died in peace with Hitler. The human heart must have an absolute. As Voltaire said, If man has no god, he will make a god for himself. Deny men the right to make a pilgrimage to the shrine of a saint, and in fifty years they will be making pilgrimages to a tank factory. Deny them a god incarnate, and in a few generations they will adore an emperor is the incarnation of a god. The totalitarian powers have convinced us that man cannot live without a religion or a faith or an absolute. The question, therefore, no longer is, will we or will we not have an absolute? The only question is, which one will we serve? This very enthusiasm for false gods which they have is the explanation of their cruelty. There is nothing temporal that can bear the strain of being deified. It is like placing a marble bust on the stem of a rose. It distorts a man like beating a cripple with his own crutches. Endow a machine with infinite power, and it will kill you. Endow a finite human being with the power of God, and he will slay you. As Lord Acton said, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And as Chesterton said, speaking of the horrors of the new religion... God is more good to the gods that mocked him than men are good to the gods they made. When, therefore, a man with an eternal destiny is enlisted in the service of an earthly absolute, he becomes the fiercest and most fanatical soldier. Therein lies the total strength of our enemies. Their cause is a religion the animal religion of a false god. And our problem is how overcome that absolute. This is one way we will not do it. Not by hate. There is a group in our midst who, feeling the lack of a crusading spirit and sensing the need of zest in battle, contend that the condition of victory... Is the hatred of enemies. Hatred is a poor alternative for faith. It inspires men to fight because their enemy is wicked rather than because their cause is righteous. It looks to the poison of their arrows rather than to the justice of their archery. Lamenting the wickedness of our enemies will make us cruel but it will never make us strong. I would rather think that our soldiers were inspired more by a love of the country they live in than by the country they hate. If we spend our time setting on the eggs of hate, in vain will we expect to hatch the dove of peace. And this absolute of theirs will not be overcome by force alone either. For no idea can be killed by force. A false idea can be overcome only by a true idea. A false dogma only by a true dogma. When Hitler says the power of money is dead, we must not counter with the defense of financial plutocracy, but rather with a new idea in which money shall be used exclusively as a medium of exchange. When Hitler says that the power of monopolistic capitalism is dead, we must not defend its abuses. We must counter with a new idea of economics based on the moral order. We cannot conquer Hitler's new order by attempting to preserve the old order from which it came. The one and only effective way is to build a new order ourselves, ...one grounded on the true absolute of God... ...and the principles of justice and morality. And neither will we overcome this false absolute... ...by an indifference to any absolute... ...or by saying that we are fighting merely to preserve the status quo. I know of a simple soul... ...who on being asked the meaning of the word status quo... ...defined it rather correctly as the mess that we are in. We are not fighting to keep the world just as it was. If we were, we would be fighting to preserve a world that produced Nazism and Communism and Fascism. No vague sentiments about liberalism. No catchwords about freedom of the press. No American sportsmanship transplanted from the football field to a sea or a foxhole. No mass production, however great the eight hour sacrifice of those who make it. No boasting and bragging. No complaining or haranguing of our public officials. And no change of legislators will carry us safely through this crisis unless we are prepared to give up our coat in time of fire and our cargo in case of a sinking ship. The Savior was right when he spoke of the crisis that faced Jerusalem. Go not back for your coat. Let it perish. The strength of our enemies is in their absolute. Our weakness is in the want of it. Their force is their ideology. Our weakness is the lack of it. They are sweeping ahead because they have dogmas, and we are falling behind because we have none. The dynamism of a false paganism cannot be overcome by the irreligion of democracy. The enthusiasm for false gods cannot be drowned by an indifference to the true God. No secularized, non-religious theory of political freedom is strong enough to overcome their faith. A people who lack the strength of an ultimate conviction cannot overcome their false dogmas... The effective answer to a false religion is not indifference to our religion. Unless there is a positive conviction to pit against the assaults of the demon, the citadel of our soul will foil. What we need, above all things else, is the offensive of a great idea. Is there a place for it in American democracy? Certainly there is. Democracy is based on a political and an economic relative... ...but on a theological absolute. Does not our Declaration of Independence affirm... ...that the Creator has endowed man with certain unalienable rights? In other words... God is the absolute in American democracy. And either democracy will rest on this divine foundation or it will be laid to rest. Trying to preserve freedom and democracy without God, in whom alone these truths are grounded, is like preserving the false teeth of a drowning man. If we save the man, we will save his teeth. And if we save our souls in God, we will save our democracy and our freedom, but not otherwise. Now, Lent begins this coming Wednesday. Let it be a season for Catholics to prove by additional sacrifices their love of God and their love of country. May Catholics take a resolution to attend Mass every morning during Lent. Receive our Divine Lord into their hearts in Holy Communion and prolong the thanksgiving, if possible, into a holy hour. May the Jews and Protestants in like manner spend an hour in meditation and prayer for the same intention. And to all who wish little booklets to wade in this meditation and prayer, we will gladly send them to you free. But pray we must. For as Shakespeare said, if that the heavens do not quickly send down their visible spirits to tame these vile offenses, it will come that humanity must perforce prey on itself like monsters of the deep. Now this is the issue involved in the war, the choice of absolutes. No one has stated it among the United Nations quite as clearly as the Nazis have put it. In a book that was published in Berlin recently entitled God and the Race, A Soldier's Creed, we read this statement of Nazi ideology. Each epoch has its symbols. Two epochs and two symbols are now facing each other the cross and the sword. Today, Christianity is under the sign of the cross. Our struggle is not against man. It is against an idea. We struggle against the cross. That is Nazism. That is one of the clearest expressions that has yet come from any nation in this world war. The Nazis say they are on the side of the sword. They put us on the side of the cross. So be it. And may a day come then when Hitler reaches out his sword to us that we, in virtue of our recovery of the absolute, will be strong enough to take that naked blade in our bare hand and pull it from him and lift the sword high in the air with a hilt above. And what's that hilt? Frame against the august blue of heaven's sky. The glorious symbol of the cross of Christ and the pledge of American victory. in thy mercy hear us the prayers of sinners pour forth we beseech thee all grace and blessing upon our country and its citizens we pray in particular for the president for our congress for all our soldiers for all who defend us in ships whether on the seas or in the skies For all who are suffering the hardships of war. We pray for all who are in peril or in danger. Bring us all after the troubles of this life into the haven of peace. And reunite us together forever, O dear Lord, in thy glorious heavenly kingdom.
0: You are listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. I'm your host, Al Smith, and I want to thank you for joining me today to listen to the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. He was addressing the world uh, in the 40s when uh, the Second World War was on, and uh, I know today there are still many wars raging all over the world, and I think we all would uh, ask that same question how do we overcome evil? How do we defeat Satan? Uh, and Fulton Sheen was providing America and the world for that matter with that holy wisdom. And so uh, it's nice to listen to his voice uh, back from the 1940s. So I uh, hope you will enjoy that and uh, put it into your archives. And, and I'm grateful to uh, Radio Maria for Uh, keeping uh, a beautiful catalog of our programs, Uh, you can visit the Radio Maria website in the United States of America at radiomaria.us. And uh, there they have, uh, again, all of the podcasts and all of the archive shows. So if you miss today's program or a portion of it or you want to replay it, uh, you can go to the website and uh, download uh, the program so uh, we've got uh, over a year um, of shows there at uh, radiomaria.us and for even a greater collection of shows uh, if you visit the radio maria canada website at radiomaria.ca you will find close to 350 recordings of uh, bishop sheen presents and so uh, we began recording uh, at Radio Maria in 2017 and so we have quite uh, a good inventory or I should say library library of shows uh, at Radio Maria. So uh, don't uh, worry if you miss a program uh, you can always catch up by visiting uh, the websites And so again my thanks to Radio Maria USA and Radio Maria Canada for uh, keeping these archives going. All right, um, bishopsheentoday.com. I I always got that website on my mind because uh, I visit it every day and, uh, of course, answer emails and responses and uh, letters of inquiry and uh, you name it. Uh, It's a busy website, and I want to thank everyone who has been participating in our charity book program uh, where we're uh, in a way thanking our supporters by sending out books, and so uh, for a twenty dollar donation, uh, we will then send out to you uh one of Archbishop Sheen classic books uh, there's a list of thirty nine of them to choose from on the website, and so uh we want you to have some good reading for Christmas. And, of course, you help us, and uh, there are expenses in radio. And uh, so every uh, donation that you give us helps us in uh, providing for the mission to share the wisdom of Archbishop Sheen. And, you know, everyone should have a couple of uh, Archbishop Sheen's books in their own personal library. Uh, I love the Holy Hour Prayer Book. It is one of my favorite books. I want to say companions, I bring it with me uh, to church and there's some beautiful meditations in there. Uh, Of course, uh, Fulton Sheen's books, Victory Over Vice and the Seven Virtues, have assisted me in my spiritual journey of overcoming sin and practicing virtue. And I I think that's always the challenge for all of us is to uh, have a plan, uh, get on the program, I like to say. And uh, Fulton Sheen gave some timely advice how to overcome sin and to practice virtue now uh, speaking of overcoming sin and practicing virtue uh, we have uh, the opportunity now to uh, listen to some of the wisdom uh, provided by uh, father lawrence carney who has been uh, sharing the holy face devotion for quite some time and so i want to share with you now uh, our uh, recorded uh, message from last week and so um, please enjoy uh, the wisdom of Father Carney as uh, he addresses our Radio Maria audience. Hello, my dear friends from Radio Maria in the United States of America, Canada, England, Ireland, Australia, and the Philippines. Uh, I'm your host, Al Smith, and I've been uh, privileged to uh, study the writings of Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen for quite some time, and Archbishop Sheen had a great love for St. Therese. St. Teresa, the Child, Jesus, and the Holy Face. And so many of you have been inquiring about the Holy Face, and uh, you have seen uh, pictures of me on social media uh, sharing the devotion of the Holy Face, bringing uh, relics uh, to parishes and giving reflections. Uh, but I thought I would give you a treat today. I have with me today on Radio Maria Uh, our good friend Father Lawrence Carney uh, who uh, has written on the holy face and uh, many of you know of his writings through tan books and other publications and so I want to uh, have a little bit of a time with Father Carney talking about devotion talking about what we can do to bring this devotion in our life and um, Tell us some of the good stories of what has happened in the mission field. So, uh, I bring to Radio Maria Father Lawrence Carney. Welcome to the show,
2: Alan Smith. Thanks for having me. It's an honor right. to be.
0: Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, I know that in the book that you penned, "The Secrets of the Holy Face," uh, published by Tan Books, and I. We'll provide all the links in the show notes uh, for everyone. We actually will have a, a little commercial later on in the show uh, with all the um, discount promo codes. But we love people to read this book, The Secret of the Holy Face," And in this book, you talk about the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen and how he was a friend of, uh, I like to say, the truth and uh, He spoke about many of the evils in the world, but uh, maybe you could share uh, with our listeners um, your interest in Fulton Sheen and, um, uh, again, how he's come into your life over the last few years.
2: Sure. So uh, my dad talks about when he was growing up that there were four channels on the television and Sheen had the prime time. I think it was like seven o'clock on a Friday, I can't remember, or Saturday but he would listen to him and so the whole family and it was amazing to hear that protestants were listening to him and some monks up in scotland told me that the statistics for the catholic church in america were such that by the year 2050 the whole united states would be catholic if the trends continued and he worked for the propagation of the faith but that that was his main duty was to propagate the faith to the United States. So he was doing amazing things. And I really look up to him and I love how he put on the costume. And that's what we used to call the the uh, the wear that the bishops wore. Um, he, he got a beautiful picture of that behind you. And he just not only had the image, but he also had an eloquence with propagating the faith. And he even talks about communism. So I wanted to include him in my book because it would it would attract so many people like my dad and people around his age because communism is something that really hasn't gone away. It's just changed its name. So those are some thoughts on that.
0: Right. Has he inspired your priesthood at all with his writings and uh, his love of the holy hour? Um, I know there's so much that Fulton Sheen wrote with regards to the sacrament and the sacramental life. uh, Are there any things that he wrote that touched your life or you still put into practice today?
2: Yeah, uh, the Holy Hour is definitely something I put into practice every day. And I recommend it for all priests and religious because it really, it's putting the kindling into the fire of the spiritual life. And even Father Gergu Lagrange talks about the holy hour for religious and priests. And it's recommended that lay people adopt at least 15 minutes a day of meditation, if not at church at their homes. And I was just reading the story of the soul yesterday of St. Therese of the Sioux, and how her daddy, who was a saint, St. Louis Martin, would take her uh, to visit the, the Blessed Sacrament daily sometimes, and how that practice has gone away. So I think that Bishop Sheen just, he pulled a lot of our tradition and just promulgated it back out again. And that's what I, that's kind of my job is, hey folks, this is what we are, this is what we used to be, let's do it again.
0: Yes, and I think this devotion to uh, the holy hour uh, just ties in beautifully to devotion to the holy face. Um, the Eucharist is our Lord veiled And yet, when we spend time with our blessed Lord, we are, in a way, seeing Him face to face. And I think this is what has really attracted so many people to the Holy Face devotion. It's a devotion of seeing our Lord face to face, but we have the great grace to see Him where we're at. We can have an image of the Holy Face in our homes, in our office, in our cars. Um, It is an image that we can take with us, and I think everyone listening today and those watching on social media uh, can testify to having probably dozens of holy cards with the picture of our blessed Lord's countenance on it, and yet do they just sit in the drawer? Do they stay there, or do we pull them out and give them reverence, spend some time? Uh, These are all things that I think people are awakening to. And, you know, I think many people are probably asking the same question. Uh, Father Carney, what have you seen in your journeys in your parish missions, um, the the fruit of the devotion to the Holy Face? And how can I improve my prayer life? How can I, you know, step up to the plate and do more? Um, How do I get started? These are all questions that Many of our listeners have, they're just saying, um, tell me why to have this devotion and give me some tips on how to do it. Um, I don't know, it's a big question, but I'll let the Holy Spirit inspire you to give uh, the answer.
2: There's a lot of things running through my head, but what I'll say is that God is permitting the revolution that we have here in 2023 for a greater good. And so as it gets worse out there, in the revolution, there's people that rise up and they want to defend the rights of Christ the King. And this devotion fits the gap in between both the revolution and the counter revolution because it gives us something clearly from heaven. It gives us some marching orders and it gives us a spiritual army where it's been approved by a Pope, Leo the Thirteenth. So it's got all the canonical underfittings uh, to make this not just a private devotion, but a public one. And it's just so beautiful in the in the field when I go to different parishes, different churches and different conference rooms. People come out after my talks and they're just, I want to, I wanna sign up. I want to do this. It's and it's like I'm not very eloquent. I know that my English is bad. I don't know why I'm an author, but God always chooses the weakest to confound the wisdom of the world. I say that a lot. But what it is, is so much prayer because I pray constantly throughout the day when I'm not doing interviews or eating or sleeping. And there's other people, like I, a chaplain of some nuns, and then all, all the people I know in my own life, and then people that are joining the ranks of the Arch they remember. Who encourage them to join? So many people are saying they're getting providential things that happen to them, like the Holy Face shows up one day, and then the next day in another place, and then they're like, "I need to do something about this," and then they get they get fired up, and it's just a great thing. God wants us to fight for um, our passage into heaven, so that we can merit. Uh, the eternal glory of the beatific vision. So, I mean, heaven is just infinitely smart by giving this devotion to us. And I like the timeline, the historical facts that it came out in the 1840s, right before Communist Manifesto was was made public. And then this devotion has sort of had an eclipse. And now it's coming back again because we're in dire straits. in 2019, I thought for a while that the whole world might be enslaved. And that's what Venerable Leo DuPont said when he saw the Communist Manifesto. He says if they get what they say they want to do, then the whole world will be enslaved to them. So I'll stop there for a minute.
0: Yeah. And I think I think you you know start to look at history. I think there's a lot that we can learn there. And these uh, revolutions, uh, they wreak havoc, and yet it was prayer that usually turned the tide, uh, people in their homes praying for, uh, again, victory for our Lord and the church and, uh, victories were won, um, through prayer. And I think as I thought of COVID, um, and being locked in to my home and the churches being closed, uh, it was then that my wife and I, uh, truly fostered the devotion to the Holy Face, um, we couldn't go to the church to be with our Lord, so we again found him in our homes and found him through the image uh, of the veil of Veronica, just looking upon our Lord, knowing that he is crying, knowing that he is suffering uh, for our sins, but uh, suffering for the world. And uh, you cannot help but be moved to make reparation, to uh, you know, engage in the battle. And, you know, when I speak to my friends, I say, you know, we can start just with making reparation for the blasphemies that we hear. Um, You know, sadly, even children use the Lord's name in vain. Um, I can't go out um, to the grocery store without hearing blasphemies come out of uh, grandmother's mouths and children's mouths and it's just everywhere. I mean, I work in the construction trades, and uh, again, I hear the Lord's name uh, taken in vain time and time again. So, uh, all these opportunities to make reparation, to uh, respond in kind to those curses with blessing. You know, we think of those beautiful prayers sit Nomen Domini Benedictu, Vada Vada Reta Santana, the, the cries of many of the members of the Arch Confraternity, these beautiful prayers of reparation. But again, it's getting engaged in the culture, engaged in this battle. And I think this is where the Holy Face is inspiring people to say, I want to do things. I want to start and I want to learn this chaplet that I keep reading about, uh, these prayers. Um, Maybe you could speak for a few moments about um, prayer, and when it comes to the Holy Face, the chaplet, and uh, other little devotions, because um, you know, I have uh, you know beside me uh, little sachets, Holy Face medals, Holy Face crucifixes, uh, scapulars. These are all things that people ask me to bring with me when I give parish missions. But I really just say to people, get a Holy Face picture in your home. It doesn't have to be an authentic veil of Veronica uh, relic from uh, the Vatican. It can just be a simple picture. Uh, I love the dollar store and I go to the dollar store and buy a dollar store frame and put the pictures into the dollar store frame so it can be there for me to look at and pray the prayers on the back of the card. Uh, I encourage everyone to do that, but start there. Start with making the Holy Face image uh, a, a focal point in your home. And uh, put them all over my grandchildren say, uh, Grampy, you have twelve pictures of Jesus all through your house. I counted them, and we try to have holy face images throughout the house, just as we had a crucifix in every room. I think there should be an image of the holy face in every room. Uh, that's my opinion. But tell me, um, and our listeners, Father, about uh, the beauty of the prayers and some of the prayers that you would recommend and um, maybe some of the sacramentals that you find effective in your ministry.
2: Yeah. So I was, this week, I was just contemplating how uh, the passionists, that religious order, they, they focused on preaching on the passion and so many scholastics and church fathers talk about meditating on the passion of Jesus Christ is so fruitful. And I, I agree. I want to be meditating more on the Passion. And that's what this devotion is so much about. I was just reading um, the Nativity uh, by uh, Saint Alphonsus de la Glory, and he talks about Jesus going through his sufferings and he asks, why did a God do this? And it's because he loves us and he wants lovers. So the question is, do we want to be lovers because he loves us. He, he's looking for lovers. Are we going to join? that group that are lovers of the passion. So that leads us to the chaplet of the Holy face. I just, I can't, I can't say enough about this chaplet that was given to us by sister Mary St. Pierre. And the main point of the chaplet is for the triumph of the Catholic church. And it goes into the passion because it makes reparation for the five senses of Jesus. And, also the three years of his public life by saying an Old Testament verse from the Psalms, arise, O Lord, and let thy enemies be defeated, and let all that hate thee flee from before thy face. a very powerful prayer that St. Athanasius, um, he asked the demons what they hated the most, and it's that in the Holy Bible. So that prayer of the chapel of the Holy Face. Reminds us of the different senses of Jesus when he was going through his passion. And so it's just a chapter based on the passion, his uh, touch, his hearing, sight, smell, and, and taste. And they're all on the face, on the countenance of our beloved Lord, his sacred face. Then there's that mysterious prayer called the golden arrow prayer. You know, I have a lot of friends that, have the book called the pieta and they carry it in their back pocket and the golden arrow prayer is one of the prayers in that popular book and it's it's a prayer that talks about how we need to make reparation for the name of god and that all must bow down before his name all on heaven on earth and in the hells and even the sacred heart of jesus that's the mystery The the sacred heart represents the humanity of Jesus. But Venerable uh, Leo DuPont said that the face represents his divinity. So this golden arrow prayer is is a prayer that helps us to send uh, arrows to heaven that will open up the heart of Jesus to give us mercy. And Jesus gave it to us because of the blasphemies that were coming, that were. He said they were like poison arrows being shot up to God, and, and they hurt Him so much. So we have a chance to pray this prayer, the golden arrow. May the Most Holy, Most etc. May the Most Holy name of God, etc. Be blessed, praised, adored, etc. I won't go into it all, but it's so neat
0: these These prayers are so important, and you know, I think of the many miracles that the saints uh, tell of the power of the holy face. and I recall I think, and I hope I'm right on this, but it was Saint Vincent de paul and and Saint Vincent de Paul had a troubled child. Uh, no one could really work with this young boy. He was a bit of a menace, and he said, uh, "I'll work with him." And he took the boy to his side and he said, son, I just want to ask you one favor. I want you to take this picture of the holy face of Jesus home with you. And I want you to promise me that you'll look at that picture every day. And the young boy said, is that all? He says, that's all. I just want you to look upon the image of this holy face every day. And so he took the holy face image home with him and went to his room and threw the holy face picture on his night table. And before he was about to go to sleep, he said, oh, I I promised father I would look at that. And he looked at it for three seconds and then he put it down. Well, the second night, he looked at the picture again, but for a little bit longer. And then the third night, a little bit longer. And the fourth and the fifth, and it continued. And on the 13th day, the young boy came back to St. Vincent de Paul and said, Father, I want you to hear my confession. I realize that I've made a mistake, I've done some bad things, and that my bad actions have caused our Lord to suffer. I see the tears in his eyes. I see the anguish in his heart. I want to change my life. That image of me looking upon the face of Christ has saved me. Um, When we think of that great scripture passage, Lord, show us thy face and we shall be saved. This young boy was saved by looking upon the image of our blessed Lord. And so this is what I say to people. Start with that. Spend a few moments every day. And I can tell you from personal testimony, uh, not not only in my own life, but in others, the holy face image um, grows on you. You want to spend more time every day looking upon the Lord. It doesn't get tiring. It doesn't get boring it's just it's something fresh and new every day and I encourage people to take the image and uh, put it somewhere where you can look at it um, every day and pray and uh, you will see the change you will see the beautiful change not just in your life but in the lives of those who practice this holy devotion so uh, there's a story for you and I know that you have many stories of the saints and how um the Holy Face affected them, and you actually mentioned a number of those saints in your book. Uh, which again, we want to recommend everyone to pick up a copy of. And it's called The Secret of the Holy Face, uh, published through 10 books. And We'll give you the promo codes and the links uh, later on in the program uh, and in the show notes. And uh, we encourage uh, others to um, not only pick up Father Carney's book, but uh, the Golden Arrow Prayer, um, or The Golden Arrow Book, The Life of Marie de Saint-Pierre, uh, a very a very beautiful story, and to have a few little prayer books. And Tan Books actually has a beautiful little book, Devotion to the Holy Face, and um, we need to start somewhere. And uh, this little prayer book is simple, and it will help you to uh, grow in love for uh, our blessed Lord, and especially this devotion to the holy faith. So uh, our thanks to our good friends at Tan Books for uh, giving us a discount here at Radio Maria, and of course, providing great resources um, uh, to us. We're all hungry for the faith, and so uh, we are really thankful to them. And of course, we're thankful to our good friends at Sophia Institute Press. Uh, They, of course, have been giving us uh, great discounts on all Sheen books that they carry uh, at Sophia Institute, and um, uh, I will make one more mention. I forgot to say about uh, Fulton Sheen and Saint Therese. This beautiful book, uh, a treasured love story, and, and it's also available through Tan Books. So uh, lots there at Tan Books. But uh, Father Carney, we're coming down towards the uh, our break here at Radio Maria, and um, I know you're working on another book. Um, on the Holy Face. And uh, maybe you could tell us how that is going.
2: Here, it's, it's it's a book about total preparation to the total consecration to the Holy Face of Jesus. And some may say, well, at my baptism, wasn't I totally consecrated to Jesus? And the answer is yes. But, but this consecration is to the face. And I decided to have meditations for 33 days on the holy face of Jesus with a little prayer. And then I introduce the three ages of the interior life. Well, people may say, well, what's that, Father? Well, there's the interior life is going through the purgative way, getting rid of our mortal sins. And then it's going through the illuminative way, which is being given the light from God to know more about him because we can't love what we don't know. And then the last stage is the unitive stage where God created humans so that we can be in union with him. So as we know in the hell, holy queen, we live in this Valley of tears. So since it's a struggle to be in union with God, that gives more merit. So it's a book that teaches people It's a roadmap of the spiritual life, according to the thought of the Dominicans, and it pulls in this Carmelite school, too. And it's a practical thing, because it's 33 days. People can read this book in a month, and they can get something out of it, which is they can be totally consecrated to Jesus, and it will help people that are devoted in the arch confraternity or Confraternity of the Holy Face to not only be in that mystical army fighting against revolution but it also will teach people how to grow deeper in the interior life because the revolution can take away a lot of stuff from us like they can take away our churches they can take away our mass in the public place but they can't take away our interior life so a lot of men that i've been talking to saying this work is such a needed thing because we need to really work on the interior life and not work on getting angry all the time. We need to be able to be in union with God. And this book is just, I just give all credit to Father Gerger Lagrange who I take a lot from, and I'm just condensing what he said and what he wrote. And I'm gonna read it over and over and over again so that I can preach from it without notes for my own spiritual journey, my own interior life. But as a priest, I have a duty to teach people how to be in union with God, and to warn them of what the pitfalls are to warn them of go right, not left, you know, don't go down that road. that's a dangerous road and you 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 know once we know the battle, we can be more circumspective, and it really becomes for me at least, and I hope when people read it it gives it it gears them up to make them more excited about wow, this is a whole new front that I need to really focus on, like the story that you told us of uh, St. Vincent de Paul in that picture. That was just a little nudge that the saint gave that man to do. And once he started to go down that road, he he got taken up by God with his free will. And that's what I hope this book does, is makes a lot of saints. Because this, this type of spiritual writing was, was given to us in the 1950s, but then we had a thing called modernism hit. The synthesis of all airs And it shut down so many of these channels of our traditions. So I want to bring it back to light and make it available in an easy way for people today in 2023. It's just a throwback. It's just a traditional way of of looking at the interior life. And I hope it's really practical for people.
0: Yes, well, we'll pray for the success of that book and its release. And we'll have you back on Radio Maria to, to discuss that new book uh, when it does come out. Uh, but I want to recommend everyone to visit uh, Father Carney's website. Uh, it is uh, the Martinians uh, website. It's www.martinians.org. And uh, there there is uh, so much to offer. There are links of how to enroll in the Arch Fraternity of the Holy Face and the confraternity of the rosary Uh, there are prayers there are uh there is just so much and we will of course have another episode with father carney where we will talk about uh, the martinians in detail and the work they're doing and uh, but uh, for your homework i want you to um, go to their website Uh, again www.martinians.org and uh, find out more about the holy Face. The Holy Face devotion, um, starting the you know leagues of Saint Martin, uh, little prayer groups. Um, Tuesday is always our uh, favorite day uh, to pray again. Devotions to the Holy Face, and so uh, I'll leave that with you. And um, again, I'm just excited to share that website again: www.martinians.org, and that's Martin M A R T uh, I N. I A N S, Martinians, and you'll see Father Carney and so much more there. Uh, Father Carney, uh, we, could we ask for your blessing uh, here at Radio Maria? And uh, we look forward to having you on the show again in the near future.
2: Absolutely. The Domine Patrius, P. Peter, to some Amen. Sit Nomenum Benedictum. Domine exaudi mail. Et calma mail Dominus Amen.
0: Thank you, Father Carney, for your help and, uh, of course, sharing a little bit uh, from the mission field, and so uh, we look forward to having you back again here on Radio Maria to talk a little bit more about the Holy Face and, uh, again, what God can do when we invite him into our lives. Uh, my friends you're listening to radio maria a christian voice in your home well my dear friends i hope you enjoyed that conversation i had with father lawrence carney and uh, may i just encourage you to know that there's more of those conversations in the near future Uh, father carney and i have uh, developed a good friendship over the last little while because we both love the holy face and sharing this devotion um I actually have a website, uh, it's titled HolyFaceMiracle.com, and uh, I asked you to visit the site, HolyFaceMiracle.com, and uh, there you'll see some information on the Holy Face, and you can contact me. Uh, and of course, Father Carney's book, uh, The Secret of the Holy Face, available through Tan Books, and our good friends at Tan Books have offered us a 15% discount on everything that they have and of course you can visit their website at uh, tanbooks.com uh... you can use the promo code sheen uh... when you check out and you'll receive that fifteen percent discount and so uh... again this is bishop sheen presents and it just makes sense to give the promo code sheen as the way to receive that generous discount so again tanbooks.com And we invite you to uh, drop us a line at bishopsheentoday.com where you can find everything Fulton Sheen. My dear friends, uh, until the next time that we meet, may the good Lord continue to bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord look upon you kindly and bring you peace. God love you.